This week, we begin in Austin, Texas, where anti-government beliefs take an innocent life. We then head out east to Gladewater, where a trio robs a wealthy woman, and this leads to what could be a wrongful conviction. Welcome to episode 29 of Texas 1031. Anti-disestablishmentarianism. Hey! I had to spell that one time to get, uh, I think it was like a free entree at IHOP. Like it was really late at night. The waiter was like, if you can spell this word, I'll pay for your entree. And I was like, give it to me. And he, Was that a real thing? Yeah. And he was like, well, it was just him oh. being a whatever. And he was like, disestablishmentarianism. And I got to the very fucking end and I missed one letter. And he was like, nope. And I was like, you couldn't have spelled that entire word. Like, Ism? Yeah, well, you ended it. You for you messed up on ism. Disestablishment terrian. I think I forgot the i a n. There's a lot of ism. Those. Yeah, my dad used to quiz me on that all the time. Really, and I just walked away. <laughs> Fuck no, that! I don't care. Gonna, yeah, just it's fine. The furthest I ever got in a spelling bee, I think I got third place in second, second grade, and That's I awesome. uh, ac- ironically, accurately, ironically. I couldn't pick which word I wanted to use. I got out on the word possession. I didn't have enough S's. And I always think, yeah, demonic possession now. Yep. Now possession yeah. is uh, almost part of your daily vocabulary. Is it? I don't know. I think it's more so I just you. feel like, well, maybe we think about it a lot. Just the word. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Satan does live here. Yes. Okay. That's good. Keep going. You're right. Hey, guys. This is... God damn it. God damn it. God damn it. God damn. <laughs> hey, everyone. This is Cassie and Hannah. This is Texas 1031. And this is a true crime podcast. Nice. And as you should know by now, we cover lesser known murder cases that have occurred in Texas. Cassie is first this episode. But before we start, is there anything you wanted to talk about, recommend, mention, whatever? Um, I want to recommend our event next week. It is oh. next week. Finally, it's here next Wednesday. Yeah. Yay. That's right, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, Math yeah, is yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So for sure, for sure. come meet us at 7 o'clock. Market Bar, downtown Houston. You there's can come earlier. We'll be there earlier. Yes, we will. We'll be there later. You know, yeah. we'll probably be there till like 930 or something like that. I don't know. Look out. Probably a little later. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we're going to be raising money for Joyful Heart Foundation, um, which they work to end the backlog. We'll be out there with some stickers, both for sale and, you know, maybe other fun stuff. Um, Raw and Sons Brewing, my brewery i work for will be sponsoring we'll have four different beers on tap something for everybody mm-hmm. um and you'll get excuse me a free pint glass if you purchase the be- excuse me hiccups all the hiccups if you purchase a beer um and then last but not least we are celebrating the capture of the golden state killer um it happened quite some time ago but new stuff keeps coming out about it every day so it's definitely time for us 
Houston true crime fans to mm-hmm. toast to his capture. Yes. Um, so that's my recommendation for the week. And then do we want to talk about, we gave you a little teaser to yeah. our series that we're going to start next week. I do. So we wanted to go ahead and tell you guys what we're going to be. Um, oh, I think I have it at the end of this story. Maybe pages ago. We had mentioned last episode that we're going to do a series for the ne- in the next three weeks-ish. Yeah. Of different uh, mental disorders, mental illnesses that pertain to serial killers-ish. Mm-hmm. So you want to list out the ones we are going to talk about. Yes. And we're not going to really tell you what order we're going to go in, what we're going to pair up with each other. So I'll just list you the topics that we find that we need to learn about and we want you to learn about. So um, disassociative identity disorder, sociopathy um, or sociopaths. I put sociopathy. I think that's what it's called. Um, Antisocial personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder, and borderline personality disorder. And if I didn't already say it, schizophrenia as Mm -hmm. well. So we'll be going in depth into each of those and how they pertain to um murderers serial killers um how this mental illness crosses the line from you know illness to acts of violence Mm -hmm. and how they pertain to like texas laws and stuff as well and how it uh affects different people in different ways and why people escalate in certain environmental and upbringing and all that yeah that we all have questions about of like why and how for sure so and it's gonna we're gonna make it true crimey enough like not as if talking about these mental illnesses isn't already seeping with true crime but we're gonna stay on theme so that way we're not Mm -hmm. just teaching you guys a lesson you know it's gonna be uh, we're really excited about this series we're excited to learn we'll try and pick some people from texas obviously more importantly most importantly that we can reference these uh illnesses too and then if we need to expand upon then we will so hopefully you find it uh interesting informative educational yeah all the adjectives do we have any other orders of business until the end or nah cool well let's dive right in cool this week i'm covering um joseph stack aka quick what just immediately (laughs) we're getting in we are getting in (laughs) um so joseph stack aka the 2010 austin suicide attack we begin with a quote from Joe Stack himself. He went by Joe? He did go by Joe. Okay. Yep. I saw it written once that the definition of insanity is repeating the same process over and over and expecting the outcome to suddenly be different. I am finally ready to stop this insanity. Well, Mr. Big, Big Brother IRS man, let's try something different. Take my pound of flesh and sleep well. The communist creed from each according to his ability to each according to his need, the capitalist creed, from each according to his gullibility to each according to his greed. Joe Stack, 1956 to 2010, signed on February 18th, 2010. On February 18th of 2010, a single-engine Piper Dakota light aircraft crashed into the building um, number one of the Echelon Complex in Austin, Texas. Um, The first floor of this building, this 14-story building, I believe, um, was private businesses. Oh, I'm sorry. It's only four-story. I saw another source that said 14. Okay. We're just going to cut that. Fours, it's fine. Yeah. So the first floor of this building was comprised of private businesses. 
the top three floors housed an IRS field office. So this is, for all intents and purposes, an IRS governmental Mm -hmm. office building. It's those offices that were the target of this deliberate attack carried out by one Andrew Joseph Stack III. Thirteen people were injured, two of which were very seriously so. The one fatality, other than that of Joe Stack himself, was IRS manager Vernon Hunter. Vernon was born July 22, 1941. He was a Vietnam War veteran, a devoted, loving, and doting partner, um, according to his wife Valerie as well. He had three kids, Donald, Ken, and Christine, and seven grandchildren. Vern, as he was lovingly called by friends and family, is remembered as a brave patriot with a sunny disposition, a truly kind man who was well-liked and respected. He would be 77 if alive today. So Joe Stack, the man who prematurely stole Vernon's life, uh, was 53 at the time of the attack. Um, He was a computer engineer, and he started two software companies in the 1980s that were both suspended by state tax regulators. Um, He had been divorced once, which kind of drained him of a lot of his money, and in 2010 was living with his second wife, Cheryl, um, his daughter who was near adult age, and his stepdaughter. He got heavily involved in anti-government discussion and belief. Um, So think a group as extreme as the Nazis. Mm -hmm. That's what he and his friends would discuss. And uh, they were very into studying tax law and they were delving really deep into it. And that was just fueling their hate fire, really, for the government and for the system. The system. Nazi. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, He was obviously into that shit. So um, he was pissed off about the Catholic. Catholic Church tax exemption, valid, um, corporate bailouts that were had just been happening. This is 2010. George W. Bush was a target of some of his anger for how those government Grant bailouts were handed. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and corporate tax breaks, drug, pharmaceutical companies, and insurance companies. I'm sorry. Boo-hoo. This has been the tale as old as time, Beauty and the mm-hmm. Beast. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, this is get over the it, system. Yeah. Oh, God. So they we were... We bitch about this stuff, but we're not yes. doing... Exactly. So he was... That was a, a source of his, not conspiracy theories, but just anger and, you know, this the, the system... It's a Ted Kaczynski knockoff. Exactly. Right. Yeah. He was really, really angry. Um, and he was angry at how it fucked over the working class. Um, Verbatim. <laughs> he went <forbid>, Probably. <laughs> he was not a Tea Party, Party member officially, but very in line with their more extreme beliefs. Um, like in, OG Tea Party? Um, the Tea Party now. So uh, like, I don't even know anything about that. I think I don't Rand Paul maybe stuff. was Tea Party. Uh, tea Party is a facet of the republican party almost they like okay. branch off from the more conservative side um and they're it's very against in ways um but also in a lot of anti like they want the government to back off like closer to libertarianism in okay. some ways it's really confusing and kind of convoluted yeah i mean i just thought it was the boston tea party <laughs> no they that started it i'm it not even sure industry, you guys, right so it's fine. no um In 2012, 53% of Tea Party members who were polled said that they were angry about government spending, health care, and the government not representing the people. Um, 24%, exactly, 24% of those 
um, polled in 2012 from the Tea Party members said that according to CBS, that it was sometimes justified to take violent action against the government. So basically, Joe Stack believed, fuck the government, fuck taxation, fuck the system that's keeping him down. (laughs) I mean, for sure. But you don't go and, like I just said, act on violence. Exactly. So Stack was busted in the 80s for trying to claim that his home was a church to avoid taxation, which is hilarious. And it was a big, like, middle finger to the system. But, like, he didn't, he, he broke the law. A, he wasn't a, a registered reverend. You know what I mean? You don't even have a business right. under your he name just, as a reverend of anything. Yeah. Like, go he away. He was just trying to do it because he was like, it's not fair that churches don't get taxed. I'm going to try to do that, too. You but, know? But then you're complete. you're doing the thing that you don't like. Right. You're taking advantage. Exactly. You're a hypocrite. Hypocrite. Um, He said that this stunt cost him $40,000 in, quote, 10 years of my life. Worth it. Yeah. He also spent $5,000 of his money fighting a 1986 tax rule that made it hard for computer engineers to be labeled private contractors. Um, He filed Chapter 11 bankruptcy after his first divorce, and he was plagued by financial woes and IRS troubles for almost his entire adult life um this of course angered him immensely um it seems to me that he was kind of asking for a lot of it though because he was the worst kind of anarchist the one that doesn't really fix anything and just brings a lot of problems on themselves and then complains about those problems the real winner potster like goodbye exactly i i appreciate his perspective to a certain extent i agree with a lot of it yeah it's all bullshit yeah and don't don't start something you can't finish, man. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and we'll kind of, we'll talk about that. Um, so in 2010, the time of the attack, he was being audited um, for two separate things by the IRS, um, which was confirmed by his CPA, who in his manifesto, which I read from at the very beginning, <laughs> a 10-page manifesto, manifesto. No. he accuses his CPA of being kind of in on things to milk him of more money to give to the government and so that he, the CPA, would get more himself. You're paranoid. Yes. Sorry, I, keep, I need to stop. So he had drained his assets and retirement funds, and although friends described him as level-headed, he was increasingly unstable. On this morning of February 18, 2010, Stack posted this lengthy manifesto I mentioned um, slash suicide note on his website, embeddedart.com. Um, This explained his financial woes, how the IRS had fucked him, how the government didn't represent him or the working class, and how everything he was angry about. Um, He ended the note with the quote I read at the beginning. Um, Most notably, well, big Mr. Big Brother IRS man, let's try something different. Take my pound of flesh and sleep well. Joseph Stack then set fire to his over $230,000 North Austin home and drove to the airplane hangar he paid $236 a month to rent for his Piper Dakota airplane. He took off at 9.45 a.m. and told the control tower, thanks for your help, have a great day. These are his last known words. Ten minutes later, he descended and collided full speed with the Echelon 1 building. This housed 190 IRS employees and a large fireball and explosion resulted from the crash 
Debris from the crash also hit vehicles on the nearby um, highway, and 13 people in total were injured, like I said, two of which were very seriously so, and Vernon passed away. Robin DeHaven was a former Army combat engineer who was nearby when he heard the explosion, um, and he was working in some other profession that had a... that afforded him an extendable ladder from his car basically um, from his truck so he rescued six people from the second floor of the building using that ladder travis county hazardous material team was actually coincidentally training across the street from the explosion and immediately responded and worked to rescue people and um uh, evacuated exactly the irs spent more than 38.6 million dollars because of the attack this was mostly um, for document recovery and improving safety measures in IRS buildings across the country. They did make a statement saying that this didn't cut in their, into their ability to, you know, give people refunds, like do their job as the IRS. Document recovery? Yeah, people's tax files, tax documents. Isn't like, it all digital? At that point, you would think so. 2010? 2010. 38.6 million. They're lying. Yeah. No. What? Oh, let me go put more cameras up at all these IRS buildings so we can spot that plane before it crashes next time. Exactly. All right. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. I feel gotcha, like IRS. Joseph Stack probably would have had a lot to say about that amount of money. He should have not crashed the plane and stuck around and maybe tried to make a difference. But exactly. Okay. Like maybe run for office. So. This is officially not looked at as a terrorist attack, although some do consider it to be domestic terrorism. Definitely. Yes, 100%. Um, actually, two representatives from our state that represented in the Austin area said that this was 100% a domestic sure. attack, um, although it's not officially filed as one. There are actually stack supporters and sympathizers, people who view him as a patriot, who kind of shed light on issues, although didn't change much um some of the aftermaths more of it joseph stack's widow a few weeks prior to the attack well wife at the time had complained to her parents about his increasing anger um, which was straining the marriage the night before the attack she and her daughter had gone to stay at a hotel to get away after he went ballistic about his irs problems so they weren't there they you know no one was harmed when he burned down the house they came home and the house was incinerated all their things um five days after the attack valerie hunter vernon's wife filed a wrongful death lawsuit against cheryl stack in federal district court um in part she alleged that cheryl had a duty to quote avoid a foreseeable risk of injury to others um i could not find the outcome of this lawsuit anywhere his overall motive does not seem to have been to hurt people but to hurt the irs so with that we move kind of into questions and theories he was very clearly mentally ill. I think Valerie Hunter was kind of uh, justified in maybe suing his wife or at least bringing it to the attention that you were the closest one to this man. You clearly saw that he was unstable, increasingly so. He was angry. It goes back to what we talk about all the time now with all the gun violence happening. See something, say something. Um, it was not stated by the FBI or the IRS if he was on any sort of list. There are lists of, uh, I forget, it's like P 
PDT, something like that, but it's basically volatile, potent, there it is, potentially dangerous taxpayers. So people who have I, been I in trouble. Thing. I didn't either. Yeah, it's like cool. a no-fly list. People who have been an issue before, people yeah. who are angry, are whatever, and they put them on a list, and they're kind of watched a little bit, which is, you know... It's an evasion of privacy, but if it could prevent something like this, which it obviously didn't, so they wouldn't say whether or not he was on the list. His white man privilege and fucking anger about the system. Are we going there? Oh, yeah, we're going there. This is what he was angry about. He was angry about the fact that he couldn't do whatever he wanted. He was angry about the laws that are put in place that are, yes, unfair, but he was so angry that it caused him to selfishly decide to crash an air we're we're lucky people are lucky that only one person passed away like it's terribly tragic that there was even one but his little attempt if he had wanted to just hurt the irs he would have chosen to crash it in at 5 30 after everyone had vacated the offices instead of 9 30 a.m when people had just gotten to work like his he owned a $230,000 house. Yeah, he he owned an airplane. Sure. He paid monthly, like he had been for years, to rent the airplane hangar to store his airplane. He was so fucking wrapped up in his ideals about how the government should be, how everything's unfair, how the churches get unfair treatment, how the rich get unfair treatment, which is all just and right. But he was so wrapped up in all of that, it kept him from seeing that he was literally digging these holes for himself. He could have liquidated all his assets. He could have moved his family into an apartment. He could have done so many things to where he still had money to survive instead of having an airplane or a hangar or a really expensive house. Like, just this man was very clearly ill and so he could not see and we won't know what his mental deficiency or his um not deficiency yeah his mental status was we won't know that because he died um but it's just he me 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 i deserve everything i deserve the world this is all unfair i'm gonna get so angry it's like the fucking kids who shoot up schools because girls say no to on it it's like white man angry white man syndrome i wrote that please say your i can talk about this guy forever because i both i don't respect what he did at all i respect his ideas like i understand i get it but i also fucking hate him and he's a coward and he's stupid well i mean i can sit here and say that a good probably 75 percent of people across the u.s would say i agree with this guy yes the churches maybe don't you know why do they get a tax break and you know all the other shit that he listed there are probably so many people that agree with him but i too wrote or i'm gonna state from what i said from the beginning boo hoo yeah you know get over it yeah we all have to deal with it yes not to say that just because you own over two hundred thousand dollar home doesn't mean you're struggling financially. Right. It's all. A, it could be a facade. Yes. Just because you pay rent on a airline hangar doesn't mean that you're struggling with the IRS. So it, that doesn't mean you know. Yeah, it looks bad, but it doesn't really mean it's the truth. Right. Um. But basically, like you said, the the, the student killers. I wrote. Um. You know, IRS problems. Equals get over it. Yeah. If you are struggling with meeting women and you just turn to rape, get over it because yeah. it, it, it doesn't always work your way. It's, you you're don't not deserve the center of the everything. Universe. Yes. Exactly. So, I mean, I think that 
I'm sorry, dude, but you're 15 years too late. Like Ted Kaczynski, he already happened. He right. already made the thing, the yeah. bombs, and he tried to get it to go. So you're a little behind on that whole realm. Yeah. Um, he did it way cooler, and you just you killed yourself and didn't make any point. And you could have stayed alive and tried to make a difference, yep. like we just said. You could you, run for office. Correct. You could call your congressman. You, you can do more things than just brood at positive. your computer. Yeah. yeah. There's more productive and that, of course, he was mentally ill and that definitely has to be taken in consideration. I don't, was he mentally ill or was well, he just a spoiled bitch brat He could of also man. just be, like, we want to say, we want to give him and his family the benefit of the doubt, but he was also probably, like, he literally brought all, all these. angry he about. He tried to file I, his house as a church. Right. Like, who the fuck do you I think mean, you are? Of course you're going to get in trouble and then you're going to whine about it. Shut the fuck up. Like. But I mean, I don't think that. Uh, constitutes him as mentally ill. I mean, I don't know. Right. I don't have the documents Maybe st- of medical records in front of me, but I'm just saying we're all angry about paying taxes. We're all angry that certain people in certain segments and certain races and certain genders and certain mm-hmm. companies get benefits and others don't. Yep. Um, you know, and it, it, that's just, that's the American way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it <laughs> as is. As hokey as and unbelievably unfortunate as that sounds, this guy was a spoiled brat. Yes. And needed to just go change his tampon. He needed attention. Yeah, he was so angry. And the fact that he's seen as a patriot, like, shut up. If he really had wanted to do, if he wanted to do that, and if he was so fed up with things and unfortunately wanted to take his own life. His version of a patriot is from 1976. Right. Or 1776. Right. I'm sorry. Like, you, you die for your country because that's what you have to do. Yeah. You can make a difference now. Yeah. You can, like you said, run for a, a political position yep. and you can write a letter and you can do whatever. He lived in Austin, Texas. You're he in the Capitol, lived bro. in the Capitol. Yeah, he could have been at his congressman's door every single day to try to get tax law changed. Like, um, he didn't want this. to make a difference. He wanted to whine about right. what his issues were. And if he had just wanted to hurt the IRS, he would have ran his plane into the building after hours and they would have lost all their documents anyways. Like, hello. But how did he even know that, like I said... Why wasn't it all digital? It's 2010, right? When it happened. So, I mean, yeah, maybe paper copies were a thing still. Maybe they had both. But regardless, like, okay, my dad went through some major IRS shit when my parents separated in 2007. So not that long ago. And, yeah, his whole life went to shit. He doesn't listen to this podcast, so it doesn't matter. (laughs) But, I mean, this guy clearly, from what we know, didn't have uh, a life-changing scary my world is coming to an end moment because of the irs yeah from and what my we dad know. did yeah and yet he didn't go fly a plane and kill people or attempt to kill people right this is like a wimpy ass 9-11 reject you mm-hmm. know i'm sorry i'm making fun of him be- at the same time because i i i agree with some of the things he and he could have been for. mentally ill um but this guy didn't get his point across in the no. proper way whatsoever and he killed an actual patriot by doing this yeah. and Vern's son said in part in a quote um, that if he had just talked if he had, if Joseph Stack had just taken the time to meet his dad and talk to his dad in person his dad probably would have tried to help him through his issues because his dad was a good person mm-hmm. who you know like the problems that he was angry about. He, he shouldn't have been out. angry about shit because right. you know what you probably grew up in the 70s and 80s where it was fucking cake. Yep. Goodbye. Yep. Exactly. Ugh. And like he. He took it out on everyday people who could, like people that probably lived down the street from him that had nothing to do with it. It's just like I told Brennan not too long ago that I don't want to eat at Jimmy John's anymore because the Jimmy John's owner uh, 
goes like wild game hunting or whatever in Africa and like shoots down giraffes and lions and stuff. And it's like, that's so cowardly. And I don't want to support someone who does that. And he's like, yeah, but you're not supporting the people who, the guy who does that. You're supporting the kids that work down the street. Exactly. And And I was like, all right, you're right. It makes sense. But at the same time, you're one sandwich a fucking week or a month doesn't mean anything to that guy right he's rich as shit and can go on safaris without your money yep just like this one building and the irs will carry on without your plane exactly you did nothing you made no difference and your legacy lives on as what we just talked about you're a joke yeah and it could have been positively i'm 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 really angry right now like and it's if this had just been uh, someone taking his own life because of the IRS, because of financial woes, we would be talking about this in a completely different life light. It's the fact that he endangered he so many and took someone's life in his selfish, you know, whatever. But that's how he wanted to do it. He didn't want exactly. to just write a suicide note and hang himself and say, I blame the IRS. I'm so depressed because of my debt or my right. Which would have yada, been yada. so sad and very right. tragic. But at the same time, now he's just trying to take other people's lives that he knows nothing about, yeah. that he doesn't even... He, uh, no. For all he knew, he could have killed all 190 of those people. Mm-hmm. That uh, that it people might have been his goal, even exactly. Yeah. So, we, he gonna, had a penis. So, he, oh he, yeah, yeah. It's the okay. penis sto- steered the I plane. Forget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, we need to give them a little bit of credit. Yeah, we forget. It's fine. Most of their brain cells live in the penis. It's a different head. The different yeah. the opposite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If it North, doesn't get yeah. fucked enough, it just yeah, goes yeah. a little crazy. <laughs> yeah. 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 They Stimu- can't control it. Yeah, yeah. Right. Forget. So despite the presence of mental health issues that might be available, I still feel very comfortable saying, fuck you, Joseph Stack. And yeah, we're very sorry for Vernon Hunter's family. Absolutely. And I'm honestly, I'm kind of sorry for Stack's family too. And for him because his daughter defended him and his ideals and called him a hero in an interview. I could say defending your dad's ideals, but I I could never say defend his or say that he was a hero because what you didn't, you didn't do anything heroic. Mm -mm. You were a total coward. There was a way to get your point across in so many different facets and levels. The fact that this happened eight years ago in both of our backyards and we had never heard of this man just shows goes to show what a fucking joke his legacy is. No No one cared. cared. Everyone's like, oh, he was mad about what? Like the thing that we all have to deal with? Get over it. You're a white man? Never mind. I don't even care what you have to say. Exactly. So, (laughs) yeah. yeah. Fuck yourself. When I first looked this up, I was like, oh, this could be interesting. And I started reading into it and I was like, uh, IRS stuff. And then I started reading about Vern. And I was like, I want to talk about Vernon's death because there are, of course, like a quarter of the amount of articles talking about Vernon Hunter as there are about Joseph Which is Stack. like the coolest name. Yes. Vernon Hunter. Like, oh, and, and he then you go like by Vern. Nice and it's man. Like, oh, yeah, you just burn. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> oh, so fucking sad. And no one talks about him and how. He's the hero in this story. And the fucking first responders of the story, they're the heroes. They went out of their way to use their truck yep. and their ladder and yeah. to do all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, so, it's I'm glad. a domino effect of Glad I picked this crap, case but, yeah. just so we can make fun of this crybaby. I wish we Cry knew baby. more about him, as I always say, because maybe we would change our minds and have different opinions. But yeah. with the information that we have, I yes. definitely don't... Uh, have much sympathy for this guy yeah like he radicalized himself and suicide bombed a building 
I under like I oh and I understand stress and financial woes Absolutely. and like you know unfairly sometimes men have the, all the pressure of the household on them and blah yeah. blah 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 and it's like that's all yeah. very valid but it's all negated when you take someone else's life mm-hmm. all negated so sorry and when you own a plane and like you live on sell the like, fucking plane what the fuck yeah, yeah. yeah. Bye. <laughs> all right that was depressing. A little bit. Um, So we'll go into mine. Yeah, you ready? Yes. All right, cool. Okay. So this all starts in Longview, Texas. It'll make stops in Colorado, Canada, and the main city of Gladewater. Wow. Okay. And like I messaged you, I didn't realize that both of my towns in the last two weeks, Redwater, Gladewater. (laughs) All right. So this town is at the northeast point of the state. It's evidently where Johnny Cash wrote, I Walk the Line. Oh. I don't know if that's true, but whatever. Cool. It was on like the Wikipedia page, so I added it in there because whatever. (laughs) All right. So like I say, so picture it. Longview, Texas. It's not very far from Gladewater at all. It's like, uh, I don't know, 12-ish miles. Summertime, 1975. All right. This is where Joseph Stanley Falder Known as either Stan or Stanley. Oh, that's kind of interesting. We both have people that uh, went by their middle name. Yeah. <clears throat> and a shortened middle name at that. <coughs> oh, no. Here it comes. Here it goes. Oh, I'm out of a beer. Would befriend a woman named Linda McCann. First of all, her name Linda is spelled with a Y. Goodbye. Oh, so is my aunt. All right. Never mind. Yep. Do you want me to get you a beer, by the Sure, way? sure, sure. Okay. Oh, I don't want to say sure, 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 it's okay. It's fine. I love um, this beer. It's okay. I'm sorry. It's exactly what I needed. It was on the stop. Um, so yeah, Linda was more widely known as Stormy Summers. So from what I gathered, this was her uh working name. Okay. As so you asked. She yes. was a stripper. Which is fine. Or something. Exotic dancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sex I'm worker. sorry. I'm, I'm judging. I'm judging so are hard. Strippers are strippers known as sex workers? I think they are. I think they are. I yeah, think yeah. they're sex workers. Okay. I'm gonna call her Stormy since most articles do, just to clarify. So um <laughs> One description of Stormy was, quote, a minimally attired 240-pound biker chick with a swastika biker chick with a swastika tattooed on her hand. So, you know. So we don't like her. No, 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 no. Okay. So, you know, obviously a classy broad, you know what yeah. I mean? Big old Nazi. <laughs> Stormy hung around a rough group of men, one of which was a man named James Moulton. And her later husband, Ernie McCann. So James worked in home repair doing carpet and tile work. One night out at the Hurricane Club, James begins to tell Stormy and Stanley, the guy I mentioned earlier, about about a home of a very wealthy woman named Inez Phillips, whom he had just done some work for in the sort of uh, construction kind of sense. Inez, who was 75 at the time, was the widow of uh, a former Gladewater mayor and the matriarch of a substantial oil family. Hmm. So Inez had a floor safe uh, added to her new, <laughs> to a new wing of her house. Mm. 
And uh, supposedly James explains that the safe was full of money and jewels, which is so hokey. Like, right. jewels. Just Ooh. rubies yeah, upon exactly. rubies. Yeah, right. um, so James did the work on her house. So he draws up a layout of the home. So while the three sit at this hurricane club drinking, James shows what would be the location of the safe in a hall closet. The trio then proceed to drive the 10 to 15 minutes to Inez's home and scope things out. So they do it that night after he talks about it. No. Okay, I'm sorry I missed that. It wouldn't be until 12 days later. Thank you. I'm sorry. (laughs) He's licking my feet and I'm like, I love it. I'm Brennan, crazy guy. (laughs) It was Gaio. Or whatever. Uh, 12 days later that Stormy and Stanley would come back and attempt to go forward with their scheme. And on July 9th, 1975, the body of Inez Phillips and the remains of her ransacked home would be discovered by the maid. Her neighbors didn't recall seeing any suspicious people or vehicles on the day or days before her murder. Local police and the Gregg County Sheriff's Department investigated and interviewed uh, people such as contractors, repairmen, couriers, or visitors to the house who might have known about the safe in the floor. Obviously didn't interview James Moulton, as we find out. They also compiled a list of names of people who were involved in thefts and burglaries in the area in 1975 and who had left the area following the murder. So, I mean, kind of semi-good police yeah. work, you know yeah. what I mean? <clears throat> These names were submitted to the National Crime Information Center. Finally, her family put up a $50,000 reward for information leading to the arrest and conviction, etc. Um, you know, being this upstanding citizen and wanting to, you know, do his civic duty, James Moulton, the guy who gave them the drawing of the house and, you know, original tip about the safe, called the hotline and inferred that Stormy and Stanley had committed the crime. But he was pissed that he wasn't involved in it. I mean... I guess because, you know, all those rubies, right? Oh, so many. (laughs) So many. Yeah, me too. Flash forward a bit. Nearly two years after the murder, however, authorities in Lincoln County, Colorado, arrest Stanley on unrelated charges. They checked his name against the National Crime Information Center that I mentioned earlier and found that uh, his name had actually been submitted by Gregg County officials in connection to Inez's murder based on James's uh, tip. They asked him if he would agree to a polygraph test. He agreed. Before the polygraph test, test, however, the examiner informed him that the test would not only determine whether he was involved, but would determine as well if he knew who else might have been involved. At that point, Stanley began to hesitate with cooperating with the police. He decided not to take the polygraph exam. He claims he asked for an attorney. Everyone involved, including three cops, agreed he had only asked for a few days to just consider what he might say or who he might, uh, in, uh, you know, include in the uh, robbery of okay. this whole thing. So, uh, Implicate. Thank you. Um, not that he wanted an attorney. It was never brought up by anybody else but himself. Okay. The police didn't cease their questioning as they were legally obliged to. Instead, of course, you know, as they do, they continue to uh, interrogate him for approximately three hours discussing subjects such as, you know, what an electric chair does to a human being. Wow. Just cash, you know. Yeah. Bring it right up. Scaring him a little bit. Though Stanley was not physically tortured. I love how they added that in there. Like that was just like a normal thing. Um, Because it was. Uh, Yeah. And through uh, his interrogation, and though his interrogation was only three hours long, he did end up confessing. 
According to each of the three policemen, he wrote out one long paragraph in his own handwriting. So someone else actually typed up a longer and more kind of thorough confession, which Stan actually signed. Okay. He explained in his confession that he had a 38 caliber pistol and a homemade blackjack made out of a piece of flat iron and a roll of white tape. In his confession, he said, Stormy took the gun and went to the door pretending that her car had broken down. Mrs. Phillips came to the door and let Stormy in. Stormy then held the gun on Mrs. Phillips and led me into the house. I talked to Mrs. Phillips for a couple of minutes, and she got the combination to the safe from a drawer where she had it tucked away. The safe was located in the closet next to the rear entrance. Mrs. Phillips told me that there was no money in the safe, but I didn't believe her. I opened the safe, and it was empty. No rubies. (laughs) That wasn't from him. Oh, nuts. I know, right? Every time. While I was opening the safe... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's not funny while i was opening the safe i heard a shot and went uh, back to the bedroom where stormy had taken mrs phillips mrs phillips was struggling with stormy but stopped when i came into the room we attempted to get her to lie down on the bed and stop struggling long enough to tie her up she continued to fight so i hit her with the homemade blackjack i was standing behind her when i hit the blow knocked her unconscious we put her on the bed and tied her hands with tape We also put tape across her mouth. We proceeded to go through the house. We found some costume jewelry and a fur cape. I went back to check on Mrs. Phillips. She was moaning and groaning and kicking. I felt the back of her head and the skull felt crushed. I went to the kitchen and got a knife. I went back to the bedroom and stabbed Mrs. Phillips. I stabbed her in the center of her chest. It would later be determined that the knife punctured her aorta each heartbeat would pump her blood into her chest cavity rather than through her circulatory system. Within a minute, Inez Phillips would die in her own bed, gagged and bound, bleeding out with the back of her head crushed in. Mm. 75 years old, people. Uh. Terrible way to die. Uh, of course, you know, Stormy would claim otherwise. It was all Stanley's fault, she explained. Uh, she said she knocked on the door that night and claimed she had car trouble, just like Stanley had said. When the door opened, Stanley forced their way inside at gunpoint. He gave her the gun, told her to keep an eye on Inez as he opened the safe. Stormy had such an aversion to guns and violence that she placed the gun on the end of the table. Okay. Yeah, right. You're a Nazi. Right. Yeah. On the end table. Sorry. Inez lunged for the gun and grabbed it. You know, has, you know, 75 year old women do. do. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, As biker girl, this is how the article pointed or made it seem. As biker girl Stormy and 75-year-old Inez grappled for control, the gun fired once inadvertently, hurting no one. Sure. Stanley heard the shot, charged into the room, then hit Inez on the back of her head with the homemade blackjack consisting primarily of a hunk of metal. The blow knocked her out, but they feared she might wake up and cause another ruckus. This girl sucks. (sighs) Uh, they therefore placed her on the bed, taped her hands together, placed tape over her mouth, yada, yada. Then without explanation, without explanation, Stanley went to the kitchen, retrieved a large knife and plunged it into the center of Inez Phillips chest. That was Stormy's account. Ironically, Stanley also confessed a second time, apparently this time to none other than Dr. James Grigson, a.k.a. Dr. Death. Dr. Grigson's specialty was seeing that people convicted of capital murder in Texas were sentenced to death. Whoa. For a fee, he would testify that the convicted person would forever pose a threat to the safety of Texas citizens and even if if incarcerated for their life. 
Gregson didn't even uh, didn't need to even interview the defendant, though he would be pleased to do so. Gregson wasn't even limited by the limit. What? Gregson wasn't even limited by the limits of mathematical certainty. On several occasions, he testified that he was 100 or excuse me, 1000 percent certain the defendant would again do harm to others. Stanley would still never again confirm or deny his guilt, even though he confessed. But that doesn't confirm or deny. Mm-hmm. You do it once but, and I feel like that's right, enough. Right. For the rest of his life, he would always refuse to talk about the case. He would eventually not grant any interviews to anybody. According to Dr. Death's notes, Stanley explained, quote, nothing went right in the whole thing. The woman of the house was not supposed to be there. The woman put up a big fight. I had to hit her in the head. I hit her too hard. I was disappointed that there was nothing in the safe. He then explained he was, quote, panicky and fired up, end quote. He didn't know why he stabbed her, except that she, quote, she was moaning and groaning and that I knew I had done damage to her. I thought I was putting her out of her misery. So if that wasn't enough, before we move into the trial stuff, I have some investigation and offender info. Hmm. This is good. (laughs) The state's evidence would indeed, indeed show that a gun had been fired inside the bedroom that night. That everyone, Stormy and Stanley Stanley are claiming that a gun went off, right? The state would not find, however, any physical evidence that Stanley Falder had ever been in the room. The police apparently never recovered the homemade blackjack. The police never recovered the 38 caliber pistol. The police never found a boot print that looked like looked even vaguely similar to Stanley's boot or a tire track that came close to matching one of his tires or even a hair that a forensic analyst could confidently proclaim was consistent with Stanley's hair. More significantly, the police apparently didn't find a single fingerprint of Stanley's on the floor floor safe, the door, or all of the doors that had been pulled out in search of valuables, the new wing recently added to the house, or the bedroom in which she was found. So either he was really fucking lucky or not there. They didn't even find his fingerprints on the knife, which they found protruding out from her chest. So Okay. Right. Cool, right? Maybe. When Stanley, I'm very confused. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, about Stanley. When Stanley was only three years old, he fell from a moving car and banged the right side of his head. Red flag. In the first year of high school, Stanley's IQ was 99. Not great. Three years later, 116. What? Right. Not long before his execution, it climbed to 130. A neuropsychologist who testified at his habeas corpus hearing explained that such large IQ increases are rare. Obvious. Yeah. They indicate the brain is struggling to compensate for damage. Despite his IQ, however, Stanley had difficulty distinguishing categories of objects. I'm not really sure what that means. Okay, so like um, you're like a square a and a circle. Plant. Like I don't, you're a, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not entirely certain. Hmm. Though he could hear from each ear, only the right ear responded when both were simultaneously stimulated. Crazy. Yeah. He. <clears throat> He also suffered from numerous injuries to his left side, including injuries to his left knee, left arm, and left shoulder blade. Not sure really how, but whatever. These findings suggest damage to the right hemisphere of Stanley's cerebral cortex, basically making the assumption that Stanley was intelligent, but accident-prone and uncoordinated. Yes. He also had a nonviolent criminal past. He wasn't perfect, but nothing crazy up to this point. He was originally from Canada. Canada. Alberta, to be specific. (laughs) 
According to a, a Royal Canadian Mounted Police crime report, yeah. from the age six, Stanley was, quote, constantly admitting petty thefts from his parents and friends. The thefts would sometimes be accompanied by a lapse into an hour-long blank-eyed daze or a very long nap in which he would fall into an extremely deep sleep. It's really strange that theft just made him so exhausted. I know. Gosh. At 15, Stanley stole a watch and spent six months in a boy's home. At 17, he served six months in jail for another theft. At 23, he served 30 days for yet another and was caught in a stolen car within a week of his release. He served three years for that one. Okay. Yeah, look out. During that three-year stay, Stanley asked for psychiatric help. Can't believe it. That's pretty cool. Wow. And volunteered. This is not great. For an experimental treatment involving the stimulant methedrine. Oh, that sounds like meth. Exactly. Mm. An injectable form of methamphetamine. Okay. So <laughs> that uh, the fucked upness after that was not his right. fault. Yeah. Wow. According to Wikipedia, which whatever. Trusted source. But it's fine. Effects of this drug include substantial perceptual changes such as blurred vision, multiple images, vibrations of objects, visual hallucinations, distorted shapes, enhancement of details, slowed passage of time, and increased contrast. So you're just like constantly tripping. Right. Whoa. That yeah. sucks. So when it referenced the he d- can't figure out objects or what, what was it? Um he can't distinguish uh, different yeah. objects from each other. Distinguishing categories of objects. Yeah. Like it kind of, I don't know if that was referenced before or after this finding, but regardless, I mean, kind if of it was before, I'm sure it was heightened after. Yeah, yeah. Like, is that a dragon or is that a chair? Because everything is it weird. Looks like a dragon. Yeah. Just days before the home invasion robbery in Gladewater, Stanley disappeared from his most recent job at a gas station, along with a few hundred dollars that he stole. Okay. That one is. So theft clearly is his jam. Yes. You know, that's what he's uh, into. That's what he's known for. That's his kind of uh, wheelhouse, whatever. So trials. During Stanley's first trial, the prosecution relied almost exclusively on the confession. Hmm. They never called Stormy uh, Summers to the stand, and they didn't need to. Okay. So, oh, I added this in there. I kind of forgot. I forgot that I wrote this. (laughs) I put it in asterisks. When a jury hears a confession, they convict pure and simple. So, yeah, man. that's true. Hey, good job. Thanks, man. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot I wrote that. It's fucking true. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like if you hear the guy doing it or know that they confess to it, you're more apt to be like, all right, well, they're admitting it. So they did it. Da-da. Doesn't matter the circumstances yeah. they confessed under. They the um, the appellate court ruled the confession was improperly obtained. Since Stanley had said multiple times he didn't want to say anything at the time that he actually, you know, remember I said he actually wanted to wait a few days. Um, and and so the verdict was overturned. So that's interesting. That's crazy that that's enough for it to be for overturned. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I feel like that doesn't happen. 70s, 80s. Without the confession, the state had a serious problem. They had no confession and they had no physical evidence. They only had the statement of an accomplice and that is not admissible unless corroborated by something or someone who was not an accomplice. So that sounds confusing. So why they didn't think to get James to testify? Yeah. And what happened to Ernie? We get to it. Oh, okay. I was about to say. Um, yeah, so why they didn't get James to testify is a question in my mind, but he probably, you know, was still, I think, considered too close as an accomplice. 
You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. he drew it up, so it needed to be, like, further off, whatever. So Texas was uh, slowed to pursue a second trial, so Inez's family actually hired private prosecutors. Surprisingly, this allowed, um, this was, this is allowed as long as the state, quote, retains control of the prosecution. Interesting. Yeah. I literally put whatever that means. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm not really certain. Like, yeah. that's not fair. No. Okay. I, the pros- prosecution is supposed control. to represent the state, not yeah. the victim's family. The family paid the private prosecutors a hundred grand, according to one report I read, and then one hundred and fifty-five thousand, according to another. So that's a lot. A good amount of money yeah. for early eighties. The private prosecutors knew they needed Stormy Summers um, to really seal the deal. So she was yeah. serving ten years for conspiring to rob for this. Inez okay. Phillips, not murder, just rob. Right. Amazingly, her conviction was soon overturned oh. by the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals. Because the state mentioned Inez Phillips was killed. So in it turned out Stormy had not been convicted of conspiracy for the events of that night. She was convicted instead of conspiracy the night at the bar. So but where they she looked at the sketch with James and drove to the house. In the courtroom it was someone said that Inez was murdered. Right. That she, swayed she, the jurors to convict. The night. Okay. So she, the, all the shit about the murder wasn't even a thing in okay. her trial. Wow. She was literally, and I don't even know how this actually works because it's literally all hearsay because you have no evidence that this conversation even happened. Right. She was sentenced to 10 years for conspiracy to rob slash murder just based on testimony of the. I was at a bar and had a conversation with these two guys that led to us talking about robbing this woman, and we drove to her house and just looked at it. Okay. So, in this case, cool, because she was... She was involved. Yes. Yeah. But also, if, like, that happened, like, we could get arrested for just talking about someone else's thing. Yep. You know? So, that's weird. Scary. Anyway. Um, so, Stormy's conviction was reversed. Not a big surprise. She walked out of jail after serving only four years, and the state of Texas declined to prosecute her a second time. Oh, fuck. Right. She has a swastika on her oh hand. Oh, my God. Ironically, I can't believe you said <gasps> that. To celebrate, she covered her swastika um, tattoo with a rose oh, tattoo. Oh, I bet I want to see that tattoo cover up. I bet it's shitty. Yeah. I, I, I'm glad I didn't find any pictures of her. Um, after Stormy was somehow freed from jail and after the innocent looking rose tattoo appeared on her hand, she was paid 15 grand by Inez's family to testify against Stanley. Whoa. So she's just making. Oh, she is living. Right. Living. All the swastikas right now. Wow. The money was allegedly to cover the cost of her relocation expenses should Stanley be acquitted and thereby force her into hiding. She would lie about this payment of $15,000 during her testimony. Oh, so that's perjury, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like you can't, I mean, you can't be paid by like a family to you're testify. You're lying about your testimony of the crime, not necessarily, unless she was asked. But it's illegal. Were you paid to be here? Yeah, it's illegal for her to, to be paid to be the there. Yeah. Wow. So now all the private prosecutors had to do was find some way to corroborate Stormy's story. So... They paid Stormy's new husband, Ernie McCann. There he is. Two grand for his testimony. What? That payment was allegedly to cover the cost of biker Ernie's wages while he testified. Another good one. Like two grand. Like, two grand. I don't know. Whatever. Again, it's 80 something. It's yeah. Fine. Inflation. Ernie suddenly recalled that he had overheard Stormy and Stanley talking about the robbery. <laughs> 
And uh, that was all the state and the jury needed to convict Stanley for a second and final time. Wow. He was convicted and sentenced to death for the robbery and murder of Inez Phillips. Whoa. But through it all, he was never told of his right under international law to contact the Canadian embassy. Appeals from the Canadian... That's not okay. No, no, no. Appeals from the Canadian government, death penalty opponents, even the United States Secretary of State were all brushed aside by, uh, at the time, (laughs) Governor Bush. Bush told reporters, quote... You gotta get ready for this one. Can you do an accent? No. Ah, I wouldn't be able to either. I'll give it a little southern. His action's just so simple. It's, it's just too. It's so easy. It's hard. It's you like know? how did how was he elected ever? I don't know. Yeah. I'll give it like a like a good southern drawl. People can't come into our state and like cold blooded murder somebody. That's unacceptable behavior, regardless of their nationality. But no, it's but the quote itself is bad. Like yeah, but you like you can't just come in here and but murder. Like, that's the law, you know. Like that's just how we do it. Yeah, just like you can't come here and murder people. It's fine, and then y'all. you know, fast forward like thirty years when I murder a bunch of people in but, like, Iraq you really and Iran. Can't, you, you 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 can't come into the state and just murder people. No, like we don't need you to say that. Yeah, we get it. I don't care. G W Bush. You are. It's fine, George. It's fine. Oh, Georgie. Um, I put in parentheses. George. George. George, it's fine. After the trial, Stanley's defense attorneys learned that the prosec- uh, that the prosecution had evidence that Ernie was involved in the robbery. What? That's illegal. Well, nope, because they didn't know, so they technically didn't withhold. At least in the planning of the robbery. Mm-hmm. And that made him an accomplice, and his mm-hmm. testimony should have never been allowed. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, yeah. Uh, Texas Criminal Court of Appeals, that is deemed, uh, this is funny. Is deemed, quote, harmless error. Harmless error? Someone's in jail. Right, right. right. And a liar and a bribed liar at that is living out free. free. And now a secret Nazi. (laughs) Joseph Stanley Falder spent 22 years on death row. He refused the, uh, he refused to participate in the prison work program because he refused to work for a government that planned to kill him. I mean... Totes understand. Yeah. Instead, he remained in his six-by-nine cell, fixing other prisoners' radios free of charge, using nail clippers and glue to build domino boxes, and using popsicle sticks to build clock frames. His records show no outbursts during his tenure, despite Dr. Death's confidence that Stanley was certain to harm again. In more than two decades, Stanley had only three minor infractions. His record also shows that once... In February of 1987, the guards had great difficulty in awakening him, so much that they made a record of the event, which flashback to his moments of when he kind of... Yes. It's yes. almost like he's... um. What's the term where you fall asleep? Um, uh, I keep wanting to say kleptomaniac. I know that's not right. Um, um, that's, hey, that's kind of le- ironic because he steals a lot, so it's kleptomaniac. Leprosy. Not leprosy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a... Lethar- not lethargy. Lethargy. Lethar- lethargy. It's lethargy. It's not. No, no, no. It's not that, but lethargy, not lethargy. It's when you fall asleep real quick. It's, uh... Hey, Siri, what's the disease called where you fall asleep during the middle of the day? Okay. I found this on the web. For what's the disease? Narcolepsy. Yeah! Kleptomania. Narcolepsy. Same thing, right? Lethargy. <laughs> He's all of the things. Um, Where am I on my page? I can't see. So, yeah, uh, that made note. me 
think of that. Yes. Because they had mentioned it before that he was like prone to just like passing out yeah. hard for a minute. Uh, he survived nine dates with death and succumbed only after the 10th. Wow. So it wasn't like he was injected or whatever nine times, but he just like was passed up nine times. Wow. By that time, he had found his peace. Prior to the one scheduled execution, he, prior to one scheduled execution, he said, quote, there's an afterlife. I'm at peace with my maker. I'm ready to go. And at his final execution, when the warden asked him whether he wanted to make a last statement, he shook his head and said, no statements. The lethal injection was then started. He was pronounced dead at 6.18 p.m. Stanley Falder was the first Canadian citizen executed in the United States since the early 1950s. Wow. Stanley felt his biggest accomplishment were his two daughters. He fathered during a troubled seven-year marriage in Canada. Um, although I did read that he had a son as well. It wasn't really brought up, so whatever. Uh, the daughters supposedly never really forgave him for abandoning them after their divorce, or the divorce between their mother and him. But they did visit him briefly before he was executed. He described those visits at the, as the happiest time of his life. Oh. So... Questions and theories. Go ahead, because I need to re-read mine, because I wrote this literally like two weeks ago. So one of the first things I wrote was, Dr. Death is like a piece of shit, right? Oh, well, duh. Okay, good. I'm glad For that. sure. I mean, cool. clearly they are owning up that he paid people. He was right. paid to give this outrageous, you know, yeah. diagnosis of craziness. Right. Like, no, no, no. That's so. not, like, this whole entire case is just, like, laced and dripping with corruption. Absolutely. Like, Inez's family, I 100% understand. They sure. want to get someone convicted for their mother's death, you know, and it's mm -hmm. terribly, horribly tragic. But they corrupted the fair and legal process with their yeah. methods. And it's just, it's but not fair. No amount of money should be able to do you that. You shouldn't be able to. Okay, so say you wanted to pay off Stormy Summers. Well, the judge should look at her as a witness and say, Fuck off. Yeah, get no, the fuck out of here. You're not allowed. Right. This isn't a thing. This is this is I'm wondering if they paid off the judge as well or if they donated to his I mean, reelection campaign can or you pay off. I mean that that's an obvious, you know what's the word I'm looking for? Um conflict of interest. Yes. You know? Yes. You can't be on a trial for someone that you have a kid with or you're married to or right. you're involved. You know what I'm saying? It's it's not okay. And it's it's like, like doctors you can't do surgery on your family. It's that kind of thing. Yeah. How did the police work go from so good at the beginning to so terrible and just like, well, whatever. We found this guy. We're going to take him down. Police I mean, but they but enough the people is, is, allowed for this corruption to seep in, I guess, I, is what I'm trying to say. I don't know. Well, it's because he he didn't do it. No. He, uh, well, although I did write down, I thought Stanley's story made sense, but he had no DNA evidence no. there. Did Stormy? She did it. She did it. Yeah. Did, was her maybe, DNA everywhere? Maybe. I never saw that. Damn it. But. It was 70-something. They don't know regardless. Right. Did they test for it? No, because they were only trying her for robbery, not for murder. It was like yeah. literally just skipped over. And it's just so asinine to me because it's just like, how can you, you were, you were there. How right. How are you like, oh, no, 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 girl, you're okay. Yeah. We're not going to go there because why not? Not only do this you get to baffling. walk free, but you and your husband end up with $17,000. Right. Like, And I don't think Ernie was really 
involved. Right. I think James was more involved than Ernie was. Yeah. But because James drew out the plans and all that crap, I think Ernie was just privy to it later. But this is just astonishing to me because she was clearly, I think, okay, I think that um, Stanley might have been there. Okay. I think he probably wanted to be there. Yeah. Because clearly his pattern, like I said before, is theft. Right. He's into that. Right. But I don't think he had anything to do with her murder. I think that Stormy took the gun. I think she took the lead on all of that. Yeah. And he wanted to be there to see what he could get from the safe. And when he saw what Stormy was doing to her, he just thought, like he quoted, he is quoted saying, I just wanted to put her out of her misery. Right. And I think that's the truth. Yeah. I I, I think like that's the part I definitely I thought made sense. Like even if he didn't, if he wasn't the one who like did the blow, like I think he did one of the two. He either hit I her think too he hard, had to have hit her, or yeah, and then she stabbed her. Yeah, but which means like that that means that he shouldn't be the only one put to death for that. He oh, absolutely, probably shouldn't be put to death for that, At especially all. because the Canadian embassy wasn't absolutely. even involved. That's the biggest thing that I saw within these articles, regardless of what he did and what happened. And the due all, process was ignored. Right. Yeah, he was declined his ability to go to his home country yeah. and say i need your help mm-hmm. and supposedly the you know texas police were like no no no, no you're good man we got you it's fine right and you you declined it yourself and whatever and but they yet he decided god knows why forced confessions happen yeah. maybe he was truly he, he had a crush on stormy okay mm. regardless of the biker swastika situation 240 yeah. pound yada yada he had a crush on her and i'm thinking his IQ is all fucked up. Yeah. He's narcoleptic. He 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 doesn't know what's happening. And so he takes the blame for this woman that he supposedly has a thing for. And and he doesn't know what he's confessing to. We know right. how forced confessions happen. And it's so bizarre. And you think, I could never confess to anything in my life. But then it gets all twisted. Watch that language. That scared the fucking shit out of me. Oh, my God. Me. Siri just told me to watch my language. Oh. Because I said fucked up narcoleptic. My God. Yeah, that was terrifying. I felt it thump, but I didn't really... Bitch, you threw me Fuck off my you, room. Siri. We were pissed. We were in the motions and of talking. this fucking hat, this yellow hat in the closet back there, I keep glancing back and it All looks right, like sorry. a face. Right, Satan. Girl, get out of here. Satan. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I think he took the heat for Stormy. He didn't even know what was happening. And in the process of all of that, just to add to the craziness of it all, he wasn't allowed to contact Canada to get any help. Yeah. And, you know, maybe it was two years later when they were arrested. So maybe they kind of put the story together that he would take the blame for it if they were ever caught or, you know, whatever. He could explain everything that was not found or found at the crime scene. But... It doesn't make sense. No. So I just, I feel really bad for the guy because I, I mean, the evidence says it all. Yeah. On top of the fact that he wasn't allowed any sort of outside help. Yeah. So. um, Oh, God. It's fishy because like we said, he he has a propensity for theft, but it doesn't mean that you stabbed a woman. Right. Brutally and shot her. Yeah. An old, feeble woman. Mm -hmm. That sounds like a fucking 300 pound Nazi bitch. Exactly. (laughs) Anyway, Nazi bitch and Inez sounds like she was of color. So really, Inez? Yeah, that sounds like a Latina name. If it is, you know, you put a Nazi in a violent situation with a person of color. Nazis probably gonna go for violence because Nazis are fucking pussies and they allegedly. Suck. I mean, not allegedly that they're pussies and they suck, but allegedly that Inez was 
of right. color and that right. this happened. <laughs> well, no, I agree. Like, I think Stormy, at the very least, had more to do with the murder and shouldn't have gotten to walk free with no. a bunch of fucking money. That's also and I another feel thing. So of just sad for Inez's family. Ass. Like yes. they, they put they were doing their best. That they you know? had. Yeah. They had plenty of money to spend, and so they kind of wanted this to come to an end. Yeah, they were trying to just get somebody for this, yeah. and like, it's just it's weird that his DNA wasn't anywhere. That's fucking weird. And it, I mean. Do they really know that? Because it was I 1975. Know. Did they keep all the murder weapons? Did they keep all the stuff? Did they actually yeah. take fingerprints? Did they comb really well for the hair? Right. Yeah. And was it preserved enough when it was right. retested to prove? Yeah. Like, how can they definitively say that all his shit wasn't there? Right. When it's like, well, you didn't know about this stuff till 20 years later. Exactly. So, like, you that was no out my mind. And plus, like, you know, head trauma escalation you move from robbery to oh shit this lady's not he verbatim says the woman of the house was not supposed to be there so what do you do when you're in the midst of a robbery that you were totally copacetic with and you were like yeah i'm down and then this lady shows up well you gotta get rid of her i feel like that's how a lot of the escalation done enough robberies or done enough whatever you know fight or flight you're gonna get rid of the person that's gonna put you in jail yeah you know so i mean i can see it yeah you know and it just doesn't add the up head, the head stuff and the iq i don't know how to explain that that I was know. just thrown in there as a big hard like left turn for me of just like come again like i don't even know what to think of that yeah so but regardless everything appellate wise canadian reaching out citizen stuff wise was absolutely Fucked. baffling yeah so, texas get it together girl i know seriously god damn texas <laughs> do you have any other questions statements comments Fuck Stormy? I don't know if I want to stay fuck Stanley. No, I don't either because yeah. there's two, as much as 1975 as it was, you just don't know. Yeah, no, no. She fuck clearly, Ernie? She, she, she sucks big time. She definitely sucks. Yeah, I mean, Ernie she sucks, sucks just too. for being, like, I can say fuck her just for being a Nazi. Like, that's, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, there that's you go. Enough. Like, blatantly, hey, ma'am, can I shake your hand? Nice to meet you. Oh, wait, that's you swastika. don't like anyone but yourself. Goodbye. Yeah. You you don't like anyone but the uh, race you? that produced your 240-pound self. self. All right. That was it. Stanley, we're sorry-ish. Stormy, we're not. No. Swastika Stormy. Inez, we're most sorry. Absolutely. I mean. Yes. They were put in a very difficult position. Yeah. I think they did the best with what they could. And, yes. you know, we're just sitting here on the outside of things. Making all kinds of crazy comments. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Well. That's it. With that. Let's get out our closing. Our handy dandy. Notebook. So, notebook. <laughs> so, oh, my God. If this doesn't record, I'm going to Ah, that'd be. Shit. Terribly funny. Yeah. Is it, is it recording? Yeah, it's, it's there. Oh, okay. So uh, that will wrap up episode number 29 of Texas 1031. Thank you all for listening. And again, do not forget our event at the end of the month next week. Next week. Here in Houston at Market Bar, MKT Bar. It's on Wednesday 27th at 7 p.m. We toast to the capture of GSK at 8 Please go to our Facebook page for more information about it and all of the fun stuff. If you guys are uncertain about any details, message Cassie. Yes. She's down to help wherever, wherever, whenever, whatever. Uh, as usual, you're dancing. Shakila, Shakila. <laughs> 
<laughs> as usual, uh, our sources and where to reach us through email, social media, all that stuff is going to be in the show notes as well as where to donate to the podcast via PayPal. And we're going to be back next. Yeah, we'll be back next week with more Texas True Crime. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to start a new series. We're going to start a series. Yay. So excited. Me too. So. Um, yeah. If, any, if anyone's, anyone's listening. listening happy, happy Halloween. Halloween. Do, 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 do.